This creature from the dirt defied the everlasting holy God. God, for the glory of his name, is reconciling and reclaiming all things to himself. He's just yearning for you. He's longing for you. He wants friendship and relationship with you. He needs you. Oh, you're breaking his heart. No, he's going to break you. Self-esteem, that is a satanic idea. You're not as important as you think you are. This, like, when you say, I, I just can't believe in a God that would, you realize it doesn't matter. You don't get to define God. This is what's wrong with the Christian church today. We don't know who God is. Give us some men who know the truth. One man, Jew and Gentile, bond and free. One, there is no race in Christ Jesus. Oh, how a man needs to fear God, that that man might cling to his word. Give us some preachers who aren't tripping over their skirt to get into the pulpit. What's wrong with you people? The button's been hit. Button's been hit. Hit the button. Hit the button. (laughs) All right, so welcome to Matter of Theology. It is Reformation Month. Yeah, it's an exciting it's the best month. month. It is. It's Reformation Month. It's Pumpkin Spice Latte Month. It's Flannel Wearing Month. Well, it, it just started getting cool uh, here in in Georgia. Yeah. So, oh yeah, you guys it, are down. It's south. been a hundred degrees. Mm. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. We've had over ninety days of ninety degrees or above. It was here. like ninety seven yesterday. Yeah, it's like July ninety fifth. It's ridiculous. I hate Georgia, but I really love it. Let's move uh, to California. I'm down. Georgia's, Georgia's giving you guys like a little taste of why you should be glad you're saved. Because like <laughs> that's just... <laughs> this, this sounds horrible. You know what? The devil came down to Georgia, but it was even too hot for him, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the thing. It's like it's not that it's hot in hell. It's just humid. Like that <laughs> that that's what makes it bad. Oh it's 120% humidity. <laughs> You know, that's what they don't oh, tell you. you know, I think oh, the man. only people that could probably survive are people from Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, get, get down there. Eh, this ain't so bad. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Man. On that note. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're going to move on from this topic real quick. Yes. Yeah. So what we're doing the entire month of October, since it is Reformation Month, we are going to talk about some aspect of the Reformation. We're going to look at key figures in the Reformation. Uh, you know, tonight we're going to look at the necessity of the Reformation. You know, what, why did a Reformation have to occur? And, you know, who are some of the figures in that? Uh, I mean, it's... Because people don't don't realize that even before we had the Reformation with uh, Luther, Calvin, Zwingli, that this was started centuries before. Oh yeah. With uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, around Wycliffe and John Hus. Well, even before that, you go back to you read Augustine's works, mm-hmm. um, uh, and and b- before that, you know, to quote. To, to quote Dr. Steve Lawson, the doctrines of grace were uh, ha- have been around uh, since before the 16th century Reformation, since before uh, the 1400s, when you had guys like Wycliffe and Huss, uh, before Augustine, uh, before the apostles, mm-hmm. before Christ walked on the earth as a man. Mm-hmm. Uh, it goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. Yeah. Uh, so this mm-hmm. is something that is is uh, is has always been there the doctrines of grace have always been present um and uh and, and the whole point uh the, the whole point of the 16th century Re- reformation uh was not revolution right it wasn't to create something new it was to reform what had been deformed mm-hmm. by uh, um another I guess you could call it another level of of Pharisees and Sadducees. Mm-hmm. Uh, people uh, in the Roman Catholic uh, Church, uh, it had reached a point to where they were so concerned uh, with their traditions above God's commandments, uh, which Jesus uh, specifically spoke about in Matthew chapter 15, verse 3. Um, oh, that was a fun sound. 
Um, I think now we're hearing the sanding. Josh. Wasn't me, no man. My mic's been muted this oh, whole time. I don't even hear, oh wow, I don't hear anything. I don't. Know. There was like a. Oh, that might have been my air conditioner. Oh, okay, cool. That was loud, <laughs> live and in person. Oh yeah, because you're in Georgia. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, um, so you know, it, it, the the whole point of this was, uh, you, these men saw what was happening. Um, and it had reached a boiling point and their whole goal, the whole goal of the reformers, the whole goal of p- the Puritans was to restore uh, what had been deformed. And I already said that or uh, or destroyed mm-hmm. um, through the traditions of man and men. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and so so that's what happened. And, and I think as as Protestants, right, we. We tend to, I at least tend to, um, at least since 2017, to be honest, it's been like, man, here comes October. It's Reformation Month. This is also the month. Um, and actually, Reformation Day was the day, I, I mean, that I can remember for the first time, uh, really the Holy Spirit opening my eyes uh, to my need for Christ. Um whether or not it's the exact event of my conversion, I don't know. Uh, but I, I, I just know that October 31st of 2000 was the day where I said, yeah, I know what's been missing in my life. It's the fact that I'm a sinner damned to hell unless I repent and confess Christ as Lord and, and live for him. Um, and so so we, we just wanted to spend this month uh, just talking about the Reformation, uh, different aspects of it uh, before and after uh, what we see is the catalyst of the Protestant Reformation, uh, which was, of course, Martin Luther uh, nailing his 95 theses to the, uh, the the doors of the Castle Church in Wittenberg uh, as an unconverted That's right. person, by the way. Yep. Um, put that out there. Um, but that, that then, just goes to show that, you know, at the time he was he was an Augustinian monk. Right. Yeah. But he. Uh, being well, let's what let, let's not get there yet well, well no i was just going to say that being in that that situation he as unconverted he recognized that something was wrong yeah 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 that that's yeah. how bad things were he even sure. he recognized that things were out of place yeah and and one of the things that that, that we'll do um and, and ag man just uh, let, let's make sure we do this is is there's there's a there's a massive list of resources that we are pulling from to do mm-hmm. uh th- this month and 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 what we talk about of course is not going to be exhaustive um there's no way right. in however long this episode is or the the five episodes that we're planning uh for the month of october that we're going to be able to get through of course, everything out there on the Protestant Reformation. I mean, for crying out loud, uh, I mean, just just John Calvin uh, himself uh, wrote an 86, 87 page um, uh, treatise, if you will, called the necessity of the reform, uh, uh, the a, necessity of reforming the church. That was a letter. It was a letter yeah, written that's to right. Charles V. That's right. That's right. So, and that's a long um, letter to write, man. It's a really, yeah, it's, it's a very long letter. Uh, and then, of course, you've got, uh, I mean, he deals with it extensively in his uh, institutes. Um, I mean, th- there's there's just so much out there. Um, but as AG said, we just kind of wanted to dive into what was going on that led up uh, to uh, the catalyst, that catalyst point when Luther um, nailed those 95 theses to that church in Wittenberg. So, um, so really, so, the yeah. question is, where do you want to start? Do you want to start with... Augustine, do you want to start, uh, you know, with Wycliffe in the 14th century? I, th- that's kind of where I wanted to start okay. because it just there there were some things in in, in my studying this week uh, that blew me away mm-hmm. that I had never read and never heard before, um, and I know that uh, and, and and I'm nobody, um, but I know that I've been walking with the Lord for ni- almost 19 years now, and there are things about the history of of the faith that I didn't know that did nothing but strengthen my walk and my gratefulness uh, to the Lord for his grace in my life and keeping me out of the Catholic Church. Because to be honest, there was a time there where I was attending. Uh, I, w- I was going to a Catholic church here locally. So, mm-hmm. um, but just kind of, I mean, yeah, I'd like to start around the 1400s. Um, and what ended up happening is is it th- this is when things again after Augustine uh, started reaching a, a boiling point 
um, that there was massive corruption. I mean, it, it reached mm-hmm. unprecedented levels. Mm-hmm. Um, the, 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 the true motives were veiled with with fake piety. Um, there's massive immorality, wickedness, idolatry, and greed, which uh, which which Paul specifically talks through and 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 tells us that we have to put to death in Colossians three and Romans eight. Um, and it had overrun and 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 just consumed the church. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, parishioners struggled to survive while those in power uh, they, they used the people's ignorance and their inability to have scripture in their own language to get rich and to grow in authority. I mean, for crying out loud, they even controlled governments mm-hmm. and some people think still do. Um, so uh, the, the Roman Catholic church, uh, and this is quoting John MacArthur here says it was a, he said it was a breeding ground for heresy and the worst kind of spiritual deception. Mm-hmm. When, when, if we are claiming to be ministers of the word of God, then our, the only authority that we have is the Word of God. That's right. Um, it has to begin there. It has to be sustained there, and it has to end there. One of the things that John Calvin noted in Institutes in, in the Power of the Church, he 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 said this, and I'm paraphrasing. He said, "Were they were to resign their their spiritual authority, it there would be no risk to Christ's glory, sound doctrine, or the church's welfare." All they were concerned with losing was their own power and authority. Mm-hmm. So what ends up happening is is the, the Lord is always moving. Again, none of this catches him by surprise. Um, and, and what ends up happening in the 14th century, you have men like John Wycliffe and John Huss. And Wycliffe was born around 1328. We don't know when he was born exactly. Uh, he was very bright. He was very bold. He was very brave. And, and, and he was critical, but he wasn't overly critical. Uh, he was just observant. Mm-hmm. He was educated at Oxford. Yep. And he began to say things like, quote, Christ is the only head of the church, mm-hmm. close quote. Yeah. And that flies in the face of papal authority. That's right. And um, and he's saying these things just after a, over just after a hundred years, a century after King John handed over the country to the church, which of course God God forbids that 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 craving that lust of power. First Timothy three, Titus one, and, and he would say things like the church is the elect of God, but the church isn't everybody, and everyone is not elect. And he called, and then he just he just kept going, and he kept. He said, he said the Pope is. is he called the Pope Antichrist. Mm-hmm. And so what ends up happening is the Bishop of London, at the time I can't remember his name now, uh, examined him. He he reported him to Rome, and and accused him of twenty nine different infractions. But Oxford said his theology was orthodox. And so what got him in trouble, though, because he was like, okay, great, 29, 29 infractions. He's still his keep it going. His his influence is spreading throughout Europe. So what, we, what really got him in trouble with the church, and this, this is key and crucial, is he, he started questioning the celibacy of the priesthood and other like traditions that were added that contradict the freedom that we have in Christ. Mm-hmm. And then in 1381, he began writing of the true meaning of the Lord's Supper. And this ran right up against the Lateran Council of 1215, okay? And because this was supposed to be a settled issue. And his big deal was transubstantiation. Mm -hmm. And all he was saying is this is not an ancient tradition in the church, okay? That Christ, the the body and blood of Christ is not actually in the elements. And it's it's not reliable. And he rejected it. And then he started rejecting oral confessions and said there was no need for a pope at all. And then he started pushing forward the translation of Scripture in the language of the people in English. Mm-hmm. And so he was martyred. Or he was well. No, he 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 wasn't he, martyred. He he died, he died in prison. He, well, he yeah, yeah he thir- died of a stroke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thirteen eighty four. He died in prison. But he was condemned uh, to death. Yes. Yes, he was condemned to death. And then and then the Council of Constance, uh, which was roughly a decade after he died. Mm-hmm. Um, he was declared a rank heretic. Mm -hmm. Um, and then what they, what they ended up doing is they exhumed his body, incinerated the corpse, crushed his bones and spread his ashes, uh, throughout Europe. Mm -hmm. That's right. Uh, uh, and, 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 and one of his, one of his quotes, to be fair, that's how I want to go. 
<laughs> I mean, at that point, Spread I'm already with the Lord. So, hey, whatever you're going to do to my body, yeah. Yeah, I'm getting a new one. Go ahead. <laughs> um, so, but one of one of my favorite quotes that I read uh, of, of of Wycliffe this week was faith. Quote: Faith is the sum of theology. Mm-hmm. Close quote. Loved that quote. Um. So now this th- th- this next guy, th- this is what got me. Okay, John Huss. All right, so he's a Czech reformer. Mm-hmm. Uh, he read Wyc- Wycliffe's works, mm-hmm. uh, carried on his work. Yep. He started preaching in 1402. Mm-hmm. Started preaching the same things that Wycliffe was preaching. And what got him in trouble as well was the whole transubstantiation thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was called by the uh, same council that condemned Wycliffe as a rank heretic to stand trial. Now, here's here's what's interesting. Is... All, all of you know Huss's supporters and encouragers and friends. They were like, "Hey, don't go." Right. And the the council said, "Well, hey, we're going to promise you safe passage to and from." Well, that's because yeah. he had a friendship with the emperor yeah. that promised him safe passage. So right. Uh, and, but he knew that he, in his mind, he said, "You know, if I if, if I would go, I'm I'm not coming yeah. back." So he knew, yeah. and so once he went, the. Uh, uh, I guess the, the the pope at the time, or or whoever was the, the, the bishop, the bishop, yeah, yep. he he yep. told the emperor, he said, you don't have to keep a promise to a heretic because That's they had right. condemned him as a heretic. They're not binding. They're That's what he said. Binding. Promises to heretics are not binding. That's right. So in 1416, he was burned alive, mm-hmm. and you can go to the spot today uh, where he was burned, and. Um, uh, a lot of uh, historians and 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 I, I don't remember who said this. I wrote down this quote, not writing who said it. So for that, I apologize. It says uh, said Huss laid the egg that Luther hatched, That's right. and of course Huss in Czech means goose. That's right. and, and now and, Huss actually had a, a statement, and right. I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna paraphrase it because I don't know it exactly word for word. But he said before he was burned that today you burn a goose, but I trust that a hundred years from now a swan. Uh, will take my place that you will never silence that you will never silence. And that's right. Around a hundred years after uh, Huss was burned, we, we see Martin Luther coming onto the scene. A hundred, 101. Mm-hmm. Right. You see yeah. him that that's when the nailing that's happened. Right. And at, Martin at, Luther at did believe he was that swan. Um, yes, he did. He did. Now here's, this is cool. All right. Th- this is some irony for you. This is the Lord's sovereignty at work. All right. This is, this is what blew my mind. So, in 1505, when when Luther uh, committed his life to, to become an Augustinian monk, he goes to the he goes to the monastery in Erfurt, and 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 part of when you're when you come there and you profess that you want to do this, one of the things that you have to do is lay prostrate in front of the altar, um, down on, on your face with your arms stretched out like a cross, okay. Guess who was buried underneath that altar? John Huss. The bishop. Oh, okay. The bishop who condemned Wycliffe as a heretic and who and who sentenced Huss to death. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh man. I was just like, that's wow. that's that's cool. And so RC Sproul was talking about this and he says that he loves he, he said I would love to embellish us a little bit. And I would like to think that at the council, uh, when Huss you know, when they wanted Huss to, to recant. And uh, he said that he wouldn't. And then when he made that comment, you may cook this goose, you may burn this goose, mm-hmm. but one day there will become a swan that you will never silence. R.C. Sproul says, I'd like to think that the bishop said over my dead body. <laughs> so, <That's funny. laughs> so history doesn't support that, but that would have been cool. That's right. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I was I was blown away, um, blown away by that. So now those are. Yeah. Um, so that is kind of the the history that and two key figures that kind of led up to uh 1517 kind of the boiling point um but there is a reason that the reformation took place when it did and not during the time of Wycliffe and a key invention had not been had not That's come right. forth yet and that was the printing press we did not have the printing press at the time of Wycliffe and Huss now there, uh, so so how 
Huss, because you mentioned that Huss got a hold of Wycliffe's writings. Well, Wycliffe was in England. Huss yeah. lived in Bohemia. Czech. Yep. Uh, yep. Right, Czech. Uh, so this is so how those ca- became connected was you had Czech students. Uh, well, let's back up. So uh, I think it was King Richard II married Anne of Bohemia. So there was constant travel between England and Bohemia or Czech. Uh, and what would happen is there were students in from Czech, the Czech that went to Oxford. And when they would come back, they would bring works and writings of Wycliffe. And that's how John Huss got his hands on it. And then uh, uh, people would uh, call Huss, they would call him a Lollard because that's what followers of Wycliffe yeah. were called. Yeah. But then fast forward to to Luther's day, Luther is called a Hussite. So, and this was before he actually even knew about the the writings of John Huss. So he started just studying scripture and teaching the same things, and people started calling him a Hussite. And then he started reading John Huss, and he goes, "Oh, well, I guess I am." But, but the by God's sovereignty and providence, it was it didn't happen under Wycliffe and Huss. Cause if they tried to do a reformation, then it would have just fallen flat. We needed, they would have killed everybody. Yeah. We needed the printing press. So by the time the printing press came along and you had Martin Luther, you were able to get, uh, quantities out at a quicker rate. You didn't have to write everything by hand. You just had type, uh, typeset. They printed everything and it went out. Um, and that's how, uh, you know, all of England really got flooded. England, oh, well, all of Europe, Scotland, uh, all that got flooded with um, uh, the works, the writings of Luther, the writings of Calvin. Um, so the printing press was a key invention that helped launch the Reformation. That's right. That's right. Tech, I mean, technology, right? Mm-hmm. The Lord is using using those who invent mm-hmm. uh uh, whether they're believers or not. Which and, is crazy and, because if you yeah. think about a lot of technology that we have, it was invented by Christians, right? Like the telephone. The telephone came by way of Thomas the, te- uh, of the yeah. telegraph. Well, not even that, but by way of the guy who invented the telegraph, um, who was, oh yeah, I can't, rem- I can't remember his name, but I can't remember where he was either, but he was out uh, far away and his wife got sick. And by the time the messenger came to give him the, uh, the news, his wife had already died. So he invented a way for messages to travel quicker and he invented the telegraph. Um, but he was a, he was a believer. He was a Christian. And then from that, obviously we got the telephone from the telegraph. Um, but even things like anesthesia, anesthesia came from a Christian as well. Isn't that a Disney cartoon? Anesthesia. 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 No. Anesthesia is the thing you take when you're in pain. <laughs> yeah, that's that's wait, what they give you to put you to sleep for surgery. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, you've yeah. been hanging wait, out with that, Pastor Corey wait, too long. Hold on, you're just, that you're one. That, <laughs> hold on, let me get this straight. Anesthesia was created by a Christian. Yeah, that's amazing. And, and, and I wonder what that was for. So what he did? What, no, it's really cool. So what he did was he actually looked in uh, in the Book of Genesis and saw that when Adam. Uh, or when God created Eve and took a rib from Adam, he put Adam to sleep. So he invented something that put uh, that would put you to sleep while during doing major surgery, so that you wouldn't feel anything. I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that either. But anyway, back to the Reformation. Back <laughs> to the Reformation. But it, what's really interesting is that uh, you know, because you mentioned about some things that that Wycliffe touched on, and one of those things was the celibacy of the priesthood. And yep. you can actually go back before that to uh, the eleventh or no, the thirteenth century. Uh, I believe it was twelve fifteen. Uh, clergy had designated dress that they were supposed to wear. This is kind of where we get that their their robes and stuff from, and it's because they needed to be able to be seen when they were out in public to see if they were going into a tavern or a house of prostitution. Uh, so it was to kind of hold them accountable. But then by the time you get to, uh, you know, the 14th century, it's they're really all about power. They're the ones getting all the money. They're the ones have all the power. They're the ones that control the people. Right. Uh, no one yeah. re- is going to come against them. And they're doing, you know, everything's in Latin. All the, the scripture readings in Latin, prayers are in Latin. No one speaks Latin. 
So uh, th- that's another reason. Why- except those that could afford to learn it. Yeah, that's right. Except those right, that could yeah. afford to learn it. Um, well, or they, they had committed themselves again. You know, mm-hmm. one of the things about, about being an Augustinian month is you had to be monk. You had to be able to fluently speak mm-hmm. uh, Latin. Yeah. And that's actually one of the things that assisted Luther in the Reformation mm-hmm. because he, he, was, he was seeing in Scripture, in the text, where one was not made righteous but declared right. Righteous, that's right. and that's the difference between the Latin and the Greek. That's right. So, yeah, that's right. Good point. Yeah. So, uh, a lot of the things that were going on in the 14th century, we still see in the 16th century. Uh, I mean, the way the papacy acts, uh, the way they try to control the people, uh, the false teachings. I mean, even you know, in that letter to Charles V. Uh, John Calvin says that the great he, he goes through a list of of, of grievances that, that he's trying to um, explain why they need a reformation. And he says, but the greatest is the false teachings coming from the church. And he said the church is uh, filled with disease and grievances uh, and it is time for reformation. Well, yeah, and in, in his institutes, he uh, in the chapter called "The Power of the Church." Um, he he this this is after he's walked through um, uh, how God alone determines how he's to be worshipped. Uh, he then he then walks through a section uh, that Banner in there in the fifteen forty one edition uh, they broke it out as when man's word is substituted for God's, mm-hmm. and he starts out quote what even what is even worse. Ever since men first began to make religion a matter of empty traditions in the wake of evil, there came another unspeakable curse, one for which Christ upbraided the Pharisees. God's commandment is disdained and set aside, and men's precepts are obeyed instead. Mm-hmm. That's right. So this is where we get uh, the doctrine of sola scriptura. And this actually started back in Wycliffe. Wycliffe was trying to bring That's everyone right. back to Scripture. And really, kind of the battle cry then and the battle cry of the 16th century was ad fontes, which is to the source. Everything right. you have must be taken back to the source of Scripture. And then from Scripture, we see how how the body of, of, the, uh, of Christ, the church, is to be governed. We see uh, how we are to administer uh, the sacraments. Uh, we see how we are to worship God because Calvin says in this letter, he says, uh, talks about that we, when we worship God, we're to worship God how he says we are to worship by his standard. Right. We're not to invent our own. And the invention of our own worship to God is actually idolatry. And it's a, it's a worship of self because we are the ones inventing uh, worship and we're the ones saying this is how we see God that needs uh, worship in, in this way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and in, in that chapter uh, as well, I mean, how, how Luther, or excuse me, how Calvin starts that, uh, that chapter, he, he says that this subject is meant to impugn the powers usurped by those who pass themselves off as shepherds of the church, mm-hmm. but who are in fact the most ruthless, its most ruthless executioners. And then he, he continues, he says, quote, uh, for they claim that the laws which they make are spiritual having to do with the soul, and they assert that they are necessary to eternal life. As a result, Christ's kingdom is invaded and attacked, and the freedom conferred by him on believers' consciences is suppressed and destroyed. Hmm. And and that's, uh, A.G., you hit on it. That, that is because strange fire. Mm-hmm. It is it is it is it is worship and idolatry and again usurping God's commands for men's tradition. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and and it was it was it was I mean Martin Luther saw it and if you go through and you look at it, it seemed like he had a major event or crisis every five years of his life. Yeah, uh, you know, started with the lightning bolt and then the tower experience and then uh, you know and it moves on from there and the pilgrimage that he made to Rome. Um, and when he got to Rome, what he saw was this just rank heresy, idolatry, hypocrisy. Um, and, 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 and it was, of course, we know the Holy Spirit drawing him 
out of this, giving him eyes to see and ears to hear. Um, and, and, through, and then through his own personal study and teaching through the book of Psalms, Romans and Galatians mm-hmm. is what led to his conversion. Um, but it went back to the source. Mm-hmm. It was back to scripture, sola scriptura. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that, that's where we see, uh, Luther just go, this, this, this is, this is not correct. Um, and, and the, 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 the straw that broke the camel's back for Luther in 1517, uh, was, uh, was the issue of indulgences. That's right. Um, and, and, uh, one of the things about indulgences is, is they were, they were means for, for, for Catholic parishioners to, to buy their way out of purgatory. Um, and they could also be used to purchase their deceased loved ones mm-hmm. from purgatory. And in fact, when Luther made his pilgrimage to Rome uh, from Germany, um, he wished he, he was he was upset that his parents were still alive because he wanted to use the indulgences for them. But instead, he dedicated his pilgrimage to his his grandparents. Um, so there was there was an extremely high mortality rate, short life expectancy. Mm-hmm. Um, and under Pope Leo X, um, the, 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 and, and Johann Tetzel was, was his guy. Mm-hmm. He was the salesman, and he's the one, uh, and you've probably heard this expression, he would, he would go to these crowds and he would say this, this quote, quote, as soon as the coin in the coffer rings, the soul from purgatory springs, close quote. Um, and he was, Luther was furious over it. Mm-hmm. He was absolutely furious over it, and that's what the constituted and brought about the 95 theses it was a public rebuke um again not converted mm-hmm. <laughs> and and it was a direct assault that he was seeing uh, it was greed from the church mm-hmm. and and he asked pope leo in, in uh in, in in number 86 of the theses he says why does not the pope whose wealth is today greater than the wealth of the richest crassus build this one basilica of saint peter with his own money rather than the money of poor believers. Mm-hmm. And that was, again, the point of the indulgences that the Catholic Church wanted to use it for was the building of St. Peter's Basilica. Yep. Well, and what's very interesting to note, because there's nothing new under the sun, right? But you can draw... It's not even parallels. It, 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 it is a direct... It's a direct line from the Catholic Church of the day to the prosperity gospel of today. Mm, yes. The prosperity right? gospel, the NAR... Well, Yep, yep, all of yep, it. Yeah. Yep, it's the exact same thing. It's 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 paying money in order to gain something from God that you already have, right? Like even down to the language they use, you know, you 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 sow a seed to gain the favor of God, right? And if you do something, it requires you to do something, then God will give you something in return, right? And that's what the Catholic Church was doing is give us all this money and we'll get basically give you salvation. Yeah. That's what the prosperity gospel does today. Which is also right? another one of Luther's uh, theses that came from John Huss, or not John right. Huss, John Wycliffe, which Wycliffe. is right. if, uh, because the idea was that the Pope had the power to to clear sin and grant salvation. And he said, right. Luther said, well, if you, if you have this power, then you should be doing it for free. Right. Well, exactly. And and that's the argument against the prosperity gospel. Right. If you have this power, go into the hospitals. That's right. Yep. Go cure some cancer. Right. Go find some orphans, some kids or some some parents. Right. Like, like if you have this ability, then why are you doing it for money? Oh, because you don't actually have the ability. You're just greedy. Right. Yeah. Man, it right. Sounds and, like sounds like we need a reformation today. Yeah. Semper reformanda. <laughs> right. Yeah. It just it needs just to keep happening. Yeah, but but yeah, no, it, and that's that is the natural recourse. What happens? You know, we're talking about sola scriptura, but that's the natural thing that happens when scripture isn't your authority, right? And the common people of the day didn't have scripture in their own tongue; they couldn't that's read right. it, they couldn't they they couldn't fact check, right. and the Catholic Church of the day took advantage mm-hmm. of that, and they did it for gain, and they did it for power, and they did it for influence, and when scripture is not your authority, mm-hmm. the only other option is yourself. That's right. Right. And that's that's what ends up happening. Well, and that's that, that's what Calvin gets into in, in institutes is, you know, he, he he talks about that, about how how are you able how how, how and why are you able to, to, to do this? What 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 I love that point that he made that if if they were to uh, let go of of everything that they were proclaiming and requiring 
that that there would be no risk to Christ's glory, sound doctrine, or the church's welfare. And that's, I think that should be a big test for all of us in, in, our, in the work that we have because of being justified uh, by faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone, according to Scripture alone, is we look at if there's anything we're doing, any, 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 anything that the Lord blesses us with to do for His glory uh, that involves the proclamation of His Word, um, if we stop doing it, Will it, you know, will it, will it affect those things? Mm. Uh, I mean, and, and man, Calvin had some strong, some strong words, um, uh, concerning, uh, concerning the, the, the Roman Catholic church and the, the abuse, uh, of power. I mean, he says, uh, he says, quote, the spiritual power vaunted by the Pope and his whole realm is a blasphemous tyranny against God's word and an injustice to his church. I mean, he called, he says that they're a long way from being shepherds, as they call it. And he called their whole class a plague on the church. Um, and that's one of those things, again, Josh, going back to the parallel, uh, the parallel that you drew. Uh, there's a lot of people who say the same thing about the mm -hmm. prosperity gospel, the NAR, uh, Bethel, mm -hmm. uh, stuff yeah. like that. So, yeah. No, no, it's true. Yeah, well, and it is. I'll throw it, that in there. It, it, it is. It, it is blasphemous because think about what you're doing. You're collecting on a debt that's already been paid, right? right? You're taking advantage of Christ's uh, work on the cross, mm. and you're exploiting it for money, right? You are literally the Roman soldier at the foot of the cross, gambling of, at the foot of Christ, right, right. and thinking it's okay. And you're exploiting the gospel. You're exploiting. Oh man, you're exploiting people's need for the gospel. Yeah. These people knew they needed to be saved from hell. They had a fear of hell. They had yeah. a fear of yep. damnation. And yep. instead of giving them the gospel, you take their money. That's right. Yeah. Right. And there's and I mean, I'll be honest, like I'm I'm getting angry right now thinking about it because sure. that is so wrong. Yeah. There is nothing like like there is there is nothing that is it, it's it, it's demonic. Is what it is. That's Absolutely. horrible. It's, it's, it's horrible. horrible. Yeah. Yeah. Well, go, going back to what we said when we when we talked about altar calls, you know, and you have to wonder what what about like, all again? And it makes me angry too. All those people that would have given those indulgences. Not only was it a massive sacrifice at the time for them from a monetary monetarily from from that standpoint, but then what happens when they go before the judgment seat of Christ? Mm -hmm. And then what? Well, I paid my indulgences. I paid exactly. You know, I did this. I, I did that. Absolutely. And so, not only was it not uh, penance for removing their loved ones uh, from penance and pur purgatory, but they themselves were being led to hell by these wolves. Mm -hmm. And that's that's what that's what infuriated men like Wycliffe, Huss, uh, Luther, Calvin. Knox and the list goes on and on and on. Um, that's that they looked at scripture and said, wait a second, that flies right in the face of Matthew 15. That flies right in the face of Romans 3, Galatians 1. We could keep going. Uh, Colossians 2, Colossians 3. I mean, yeah, I mean, you, you could just keep on going. And it's, I mean, look what it did to Martin Luther, an unconverted monk. Who who desired like paid indulgences went on the pilgrimage walked up the steps right. saying his hail marys, right. and and right. and he goes this is not right. right. Well, it did exactly what it's supposed to do. Right, right. It did exactly what it's supposed to do. The law is supposed to be a harsh taskmaster. You're supposed mm -hmm. the purpose of the law is for us to see our inability to keep mm -hmm. it. That's right. Yeah. Right. The law it incites sin. Right. Right. It incites yep. it. It shows us our our depravity. It shows us our need for Christ, and it shows us that we have absolutely nothing to do with our salvation. Right. And right. They, so, so the law that Luther was under the pains that he was feeling, the frustrations that he was feeling, the fear that he was feeling, that's exactly what the law is for. Yep. Mm -hmm. Right. But yep. then the problem was nobody was pointing him to Christ. Right. Nobody was pointing him to Jesus and saying, look, Jesus did it for you. It was, you need to do it 
harder. You need to do it better. Right. right? And right. he ended up hating God. Yeah. Right. And he yeah. reads in yeah. scripture about this, yeah. about this yeah. loving and merciful God. He says, I don't see him. Yeah. He right? called, he said, Christ, he said, people asked him what he thought about Christ. And he said, Christ, sometimes I hate him. Yep. Yeah. And, and what, what that ended up doing was it caused Luther to yep. hate God because he would look in scripture and read about this merciful, loving God. And he'd say, I don't see him. Yeah. Right. Because mm-hmm. why it be, it, it's not a merciful God that demands holiness from us and then tells us we can't do it and leaves us there. That's right. Right. That's a just God. Yeah. That is a righteous God, but it's not a merciful God. Right. And it caused Luther just this anger. He hated Christ. And that was the right? piece he was missing. He was right. missing the piece that from Romans. And so when he started studying yes. Romans and when he yes. got to the point to where Romans says that we are saved from God, mm-hmm. from the wrath of God by God himself through Christ, mm-hmm. that's when it was like, mm-hmm. oh, so I'm going to, I'm going to read, speaking of that specifically, mm-hmm. when, when he was converted, when he had that tower experience, uh, here, here's what he said. And the, this is Luther's words describing what happened to him. Quote, the words righteous and the righteousness of God struck my conscience like lightning. When I heard them, I was exceedingly terrified. If God is righteous, I thought, he must punish. But when by God's grace I pondered in the tower and heated room of this building over the words, he through faith is righteous shall live, Romans 1.17, and the righteousness of God, Romans 3.21, I soon came to the conclusion that if we as righteous men ought to live from faith, and if the righteousness of God contribute to the salvation of all who believe, then salvation won't be our merit, but God's mercy. My spirit was thereby cheered, for it's by the righteousness of God that we're justified and saved through Christ. These words, which before had terrified me, now became more pleasing to me. The Holy Spirit unveiled the scriptures for me in this tower. Close quote. Well, and that was the cry of the Reformation. That's right. The, the just shall live by faith. Oh. Right? And that the... the Yep. The righteousness that we have, it's not an it's, it's not an internal righteousness. It's 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 extra nos. It's right. apart from us. It's foreign. an alien righteousness. Yep. It's a foreign righteousness that comes from Christ and is imputed mm-hmm. into right. us. Yeah. And it's not something we earn, not something we deserve. It's something that God gives us freely by his grace. And that is the reason for the Reformation is because that's what was missing. Right. Yeah. And when when Luther caught hold of that, holy smokes, yes, yeah. it was a monk on fire. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it just <laughs> the original doctor. It, that's right. And it just took mm-hmm. off. Yeah. Because that's yeah. what the gospel does. <laughs> well, and you look right? at how many times like after that, that the Lord yep. saved Luther, like from losing his life. Yeah. Uh, you know, you read the stories about how narrowly he would escape death. Uh, and then, of course, you've got the the infamous Diet of Worms, um, and and we have that we have that quote mm-hmm. again after he saw those things, studying Romans, studying Galatians. He, the Holy Spirit, then takes the word proclaimed, right, and converts him, regenerates him. And so when he is, uh, he almost messed this up night one, and then he had needed twenty four hours to say, I need to think about this. Um, well, you, so so you yeah. know that before before he had the 95 theses cuz the 95 theses okay so l- let me just explain this real quick people think that his nailing the 95 theses was a protest it wasn't the the church door was the bulletin board That's of right. the day he was call he was calling for a discussion on these issues That's right. public discussion basically yeah. a pu- a, a public debate pretty much all right but before that he actually had a debate uh i can't remember the guy's name that he debated, but he lost. He lost miserably. I mean, it was terrible. Was it um, yes, Johann. I think that was it. Yeah. Yes. Yes, that was it. Um, but so he had a debate with Eck and just got he, he, the Slammed, floor wiped yeah. with him. I mean, it was terrible. Uh, so, uh, so he gets into this position at the Diet of Worms, and they ask him, you know, they're asking him these questions: Are these your writings and, and things like that? And they want him to to recant. And so, being wise, he actually says, you know, ask for twenty four yeah. hours. Well, let me think about it, and so that he could formulate really his argument. 
to come back the next day. Oh, and then he comes back. Oh, yeah. Here it comes. Does he ever? Here it comes. He says, unless I, have I am convinced. Oh, oh do you? Oh, yeah. Sorry. I, I haven't have memorized, it. but go I ahead. I have go it. Quote, it. <laughs> unless I am convinced by the testimony of the scriptures or by clear reason, for I do not trust either in the Pope or in the councils mm-hmm. alone, since it is well known that they have often erred and contradicted themselves. I am bound by the scriptures I have quoted, and my conscience is captive to the word of God. I cannot and will not retract anything, since it is neither safe nor right to go against my conscience. May God help me. Amen. Mm. If that doesn't fire you up. (laughs) And, And I'll say this, and I agree with Dr. John MacArthur here. 500 years later, we uh, are still in need of faithful men, great warriors of God, to carry on the legacy of biblical fidelity, gospel truth. Um, And it's not merely against Rome, but against, uh, and this is quoting MacArthur uh, verbatim, quote, but against any system, church, or self-styled shepherd who deviates from the word of God in the life of the church. And tragically, the 21st century church may be facing greater threats than it ever endured under Rome. Close quote. Mm-hmm. I've heard, uh, mainly coming from, from Dr. White, but looking at uh, you know people who, those who aren't Reformed. Um, now, we're not going to say that if you're not Reformed, you're not saved, because um, that's not true. Um, there are people who are inconsistent, uh, Calvinists, I would say, uh, they just, they would affirm a lot of the same things. They just don't realize that they do, but to, to be consistent, we'll say Arminian, uh, consistent, uh, free will, uh, would be to take the position of Rome. You would be siding with Rome, uh, if you don't side on the uh, with reformed theology, you really are. If you take your your positions to their fullest extent, you really are siding with Rome, and that is it, that's a dangerous place to be, because it, it Rome depends a lot on uh, works righteousness uh, in order for salvation. Uh, you know, venial sins and mortal sins. You know, you can lose your salvation, is what they teach. Uh, and that's a dangerous place to be. I wouldn't, I mean, I don't know that, I I mean, I don't know that I would go as far to say if you consistently hold to an Arminian theology that you are siding with Rome, um, just because, uh, I mean, I know a lot of people that do hold to Arminian theology that don't, uh, don't, don't support, uh, the, the, the massive focus on workspace salvation, even though. They themselves are saying they're completing the work. Um, I was asked once, you know, so. Well, that's why I said inconsistent. Oh, okay, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. I mentioned okay, inconsistent cool. ones. Well, well and, and, and you have to, is it, is it true Arminian theology or is it what we Calvinists like to call Arminian theology? Yeah. I th- what, we, what we Calvinists, because sure. because true Arminian theology is universalism. Correct. Uh, when, when taken to its fullest extent. Right. But what we Calvinists call Arminian theology, which is basically just uh, – free will mm-hmm. uh, uh, decisional regeneration based upon your own own uh, desi- uh, faith worked up with by your own will mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of similarities between that and with Rome yeah I mean I uh, I would agree with dr. Sinclair Ferguson when he says that it's it's I mean Rome's theology is a little bit more semi-pelagian than Arminian um, and, and 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 you know the Catholic Church believed in faith. They believed in justification. They believed in Scripture. Um, it was just the sola, the alone, uh, that was right. one of the one of their biggest issues among among amongst other things. Um, well, there's a, there, there's also a lot of uh, when you get into it uh, doctrinally, there's a lot of confusion between 
uh, justification and sanctification, putting them in the right, wrong right. place. Because if you put them in the wrong place, you end up with what Rome did was works-based righteousness. So in order to be justified, uh, you have to continually work out your justification through sanctification, through the works that you do, um, rather than the cry of th- that Luther and, and Calvin uh, we're making, which is justification by faith alone. By faith, you're justified. And then in being justified, your sanctification is an outworking of your justification, not in order to maintain your justification. Yep. Yep. Agreed. I agree. So uh, so one of the things uh, I thought might be beneficial, too, is to just walk through a, pl- a few places in Scripture uh, where, where we see this, you know, where, where these guys were we're pulling this and um, you know, if, if you're listening to this and you're just like, okay, well that's great. But you know, maybe you've not, you've not read Romans three uh, <laughs> where um, uh, Ephesians two Colossians uh, two. Um, uh, so I, I just wanted to read a little bit from Romans th- chapter three um, and this section entitled justification by faith in the NAS. And it just says, uh, starting in verse 21 um, well, and, and backing up, just, just, just for, for some context here, Romans chapter one through three is the bad news. It's the condemnation. It's the uh, the eye opening truth that we are all, as Josh was talking about earlier, under the law, um, and that, uh, that that we can do nothing um, to measure up. And uh, in the beginning of chapter three, um, two, two, two roughly uh, verses, verse uh, twenty one here, which I'm going to start with. It's uh, it's all about um, the 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 summation of the first first three chapters uh, around verse ten. There's none righteous, not even one. No one understands. There's no one who seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they've become useless. There is none who does good. There is not even one. Uh, their throat is an open grave. With tongues they keep deceiving. The poison of asps is under their lips whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their paths. And the path of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Uh, This is what the law condemns us to and tells us who we are apart from Christ. Um, And this is, again, as Josh was uh, was getting to... um, and talking about this is the stuff that Luther read and was facing, um, where he's just like, how? I mean, and Luther went through all. He, he was he was he was uh, uh, big time into asceticism, uh, into um, uh, you know uh, trying to beat his body physically into submission. I mean, he did all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's when he got to the latter part of chapter three. Um, that it's just kind of like, whoa. And when he started reading Galatians, but starting in verse 21 in chapter three, it says, but now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe for there is no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith. This was to demonstrate his righteousness, because in the forbearance of God, he passed over the sins previously committed. For the demonstration, I say, of his righteousness at the present time, so that he would be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Hmm. And that, th- that is where Luther just started going. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it was, I think it was, I think it was either Jonathan Edwards or John Owen said that Christ is both the purchaser and the price. And in Christ, he is the one that has bought us with himself. Mm. Yes. Right. And mm. that righteousness that was required by God was given by God. By God. Right. That which he requires, he That's gives. right. Well, and Staupitz, who was uh his confessor. Yeah, who was Luther's uh Luther's mentor. Uh when he well, well, they call it a, a okay. father okay. confessor. Yeah. So, I mean, one of the things that he said, and I'm probably gonna butcher this, and I'm trying really hard to remember it because it was really good and I meant to write it down, but I was driving and I couldn't. 
Um, but he is this about when he keeps going to confession? Uh, that, but no, he he was talking about the fact that that um, that that through the cross that it isn't. Um, oh gosh, I'm going to butcher it. It is. It isn't that we have peace with God, but God is able to have peace with us. Yeah. It's along those lines. I'm 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 butchering it. Is that am yeah. I am I does that making any sense? Yeah, yeah. There, there, there's basically there's no more enmity right, right. between between us and between God. There's a right. peace there on the basis of uh, the price paid. Right, and it's God getting to us, not us working to get to Him. Right. right. Right, right. He came down. Right. right. Well, and it, because we never could could go up. Right. Right. It's God making peace with us and also himself because his holiness required mm, yeah. payment. Yeah. And yeah. that payment was paid. That's right. Yep. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's the only one that can pay mm-hmm. it. Uh it's owed to him, but yet no one else can pay it. Only he can pay the the debt that we owe and only he can pay that amount because he's the only one that's able to do so he i mean gosh he it, it it's his requirement mm-hmm. the, the there is that there will never be any person that will ever be able to 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 fulfill that requirement other than god himself well that's right and that's uh, you know and again that's just that's one of the things that uh, you know, Calvin, Calvin just, I mean, he hammers this in, in that chapter, um, in institutes where, where he's, he's talking about the, the, when, when, when the, the Roman Catholic priests were requiring all of these things. And, and, uh, I mean, he, he said this, he, uh, where was it? Hang on one second. So he goes through this list of questions. Um, he says, uh, well, this is, this is kind of fun. He says, I will not in my own words do battle with today's lawgivers talking about the, the apostate church, um, but will accord them a win if they can justly claim that Christ's accusation is not addressed to them. (laughs) I love that. Um, but then he, he just goes through these questions like, but, but how could they make that claim? Seeing that for them it is a sin a hundred times more dreadful to not have made one annual's confession to a priest than to have led a wicked life all year long. And so he goes through, he goes through these questions to, to have touched meat with the tip of the tongue on Fridays, but to daily defiled every limb with immorality, uh, to, to have put one hand, one's hand to honest work on a feast day, then all week to have employed one's whole body in wicked acts. You know, so he, I mean, he goes through two full paragraphs, uh, let's say one, two, three. Four, yeah, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve different questions where he's talking about the fact that they were trying to indoctrinate uh, those who hold captive and he was trying to hold them that they were trying to hold them captive in ignorance and that they as the the, the Roman papacy would rather see God's law overturned um, than a single part a single portion of their law not not obeyed. Um, and, and, and that's when it, when it comes to the gospel, when it comes to again, and, and, and Luther addressed this and Calvin addressed this in, 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 in exhaustive detail. Um, but when it comes to trying to recant or remove the freedoms that we have in Christ for the traditions of man, again, Matthew 15, three, um, wow, we've missed it. We've added to the gospel. We ourselves are anathema, mm-hmm. which the Catholic church thinks we are anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> Tell him to take a hike. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean it's 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 yeah, it's true. Like I mean, but why would you want anything else? Right? I mean, and it's easy to ask that on this side, right? But but well, with all that is given, yeah, sorry, go ahead. The Chris. answer the answer is simply put, we just we want to I I wrote this down in my notes. Here's what I wrote. Um so the Catholic Church went through extreme measures to silence these men. Uh this paved the way for the swan of the Reformation, a German monk named Martin Luther. And this is where we, we already covered all this, but then I wrote this. He saw all that was being added to God's word in his own personal study. So I have a question for us. To declare or to herald as a prophet of the Lord is truly the highest honor and calling that one could attain. To call ourselves pastors and shepherds, there is no higher calling. 
So why would we want to add to or take away from God's word? Simply put, as Eve and Adam experienced in the garden, we want to be like God. Mm-hmm. That's why. we we th- These people, and anytime anything is added to or taken away from Scripture, it, it, is, it is that, Josh, you said it earlier, there's nothing new under the sun. It's the same sin and temptation uh, that, that our first parents were met with. Well, with that, we hope this episode has shown you why we needed a reformation. Uh, I mean, basically, the church was corrupt. Uh, The church was plagued with diseases, corruptions, uh, unbiblical teachings, and uh, it, it was oppressing the people taking advantage of the poor in order to fill the pockets of those uh, who were in charge, um, it, it, to fill the pockets of the papacy, the, the popes, the bishops, cardinals. Uh, and, you know, we needed, the, the, the reformers recognized, and even before them, uh, Wycliffe, Huss, and even before him, uh, Augustine, recognized we needed... Uh, to go back to the source. Everything needed to be taken back to the Word of God. And then from the Word of God, we we need to work from there. We need to uh, work from Scripture, God's Word, in order to see how He is to be worshipped, uh, how we are to govern the body, what uh, God says about sinners being justified before a holy God. This is all laid out in Scripture, and that's what the Reformers wanted to do, is take us back to God's Word. Uh, Post-Tenebrous looks. After darkness, light. Light. That's right. Amen. So, with that, we're going to end this first part one of Reformation Month, The Necessity. Uh, we hope that you just increase your church history knowledge by a little bit. I did. Yeah. By God's yeah. grace, I learned a ton <laughs> yeah. this week. This is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You'll, you'll learn a lot going through, going through the Reformation. And can I just say before we sign off and, and Calvin, Calvin talked about the importance, the importance of good tradition, the importance of, uh, of, um, you know, the importance of, of testing everything. And, and I think that's one of the things that, again, the, the parishioners and the people of the 14th century and the 16th century, and um, they didn't have scripture to test everything. Uh, but you had some men, some bold men who did, who, who, uh, who, who took, took the words of scripture, First uh, John to test the spirits, and Paul and Thessalonians to test everything, and they did that. Um, now that, especially in our country, uh, in the United States of America or throughout the world, we have no excuse as believers uh, to not hold our, our, our leaders in the church accountable, um, to not test. We do so respectfully. Uh, we, do th- we do so with a submissive spirit, a humble spirit, a contrite spirit. Um, but but that's, that's incredibly important. Um, and, and, you know, the, again, the reformers weren't trying to revolutionize anything. Uh, neither were the Puritans. That this wasn't uh, trying to create uh, divisiveness. This wasn't trying to split a country. Uh, this was now that was the result because of the impenitent hearts of either the country or those that are that called themselves the church. Um, but that was not their goal, uh, and that shouldn't be ours either. Um, so just want to throw that out there. Tradition's a good thing, but test everything, test everything against the word of God. Again, back to the source, as Drew said. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's a good point to make that it wasn't, it wasn't revolt. Uh, cause I mean, even, even when, uh, what was it? Uh, Luther dealt with, I want to say there were two different peasants revolts. One was during Wycliffe's time and one was during Luther's time and Luther, uh, you know, he said, that's not what right. we do. I'm not going to be a part of that. Um, 
but it was the idea was to address the issues and purify the church, seek to purify the church. Um, but anyways, with that, we're gonna sign off for this part. I'm Drew. <laughs> That's Chris. Yeah. That's Josh. Yes, you are. <laughs> I'm Drew. Dude, I am so tired. You look tired. <laughs> you gotta go to bed, man. Dude, I stay up way too late and I get up way too early. I haven't I haven't been able I, I've been I've been struggling with, with, with sleep and rest, not because I'm anxious or worried about anything, but just because my I, I just have been and so uh that's been my, my time of study. So it's Sounds like you need some 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 anesthetic. No, this is some some, S, some <laughs> anesthesia. anesthesia. Yes, yes. I know the guy. One of my that. one of my good friends is a anesthetist. What's up, Andrew? There you go. Uh, if you there hear you this, go. I love you, and I may need to come see you. Yes, that's right. There you go. Yep, yep. All right, we're that's gonna do it for this episode. We'll see you later. Later.